good to be with you this morning. It's uh, Dennis called me on actually Wednesday night and Thursday morning. We decided that I would be filling in for him because his voice was so bad. So I appreciate he gave me a couple of days notice instead of calling me last night. Uh, keep praying for Dennis. It is hard for a pastor not to be able to talk. And uh, I know it's, it's something for him to have to sit there today and listen to me. Um, it may not be the biggest blessing in his life, but thank you for the opportunity again. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we are so gracious. Uh, you are so gracious to us. Uh, you have given us everything we need for life and godliness, for salvation. Uh, God, you've given us your Holy Spirit and you've given us your word that we can know you and we can walk with you and we become more like you. And so I pray that as we go into these, uh, this topic today of looking at our walk in Christ, that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear, our hearts to understand, our wills to obey, that we will become more like our Savior, Jesus. So I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, what comes to mind when you hear the word walk? It could be a leisurely stroll down in Coolidge Park, or it could be a tough hike on the Appalachian Trail. It could be walking your dog in the neighborhood, or it could be taking on a fitness path. And each one of those requires the same thing, that you put one foot in front of the other. But each one requires a little bit different effort. And so when you, you think of, of taking a walk with somebody else, what comes to your mind? Maybe it's your spouse, or a child, or a good friend, and you're walking along together, you're in close proximity, you're talking, you're sharing, you're laughing, uh, you're pointing out the beauty of something around you and you're bringing that to each other's attention and you're enjoying the fellowship. You're enjoying being with one another and maybe there's that occasional distraction but uh, you really focus on the other person. You're in harmony and you enjoy the beautiful fellowship that you can have together. Well, Walking with God is like that. Walking with God is the idea of spending intimacy with Him and, and walking with Him and hearing Him and sharing with Him and listening to Him speak to you and sharing your heart with Him. There are several people in Scripture described as having walked with God. All the way back in Genesis 5, we read about a man named Enoch. And it said, Enoch walked with God. Uh, and then he was no more because God took him. And we don't know what happened to Enoch. God just snatched him away. And in the next chapter, we read about Noah. And Noah was described as a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. In Micah 6.8, where we're all told that what does the Lord require of you, O man? Uh, what is the right thing for us to be doing? What's his answer? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So this idea of walking with God is something we see throughout Scripture. It's not just reserved for a select few. It's not just for a super saint. It's really for each one who calls Christ their Savior, that we are all to walk with God. We're all to have a walk that is characterized by faith. Now remember Adam and Eve in the garden, before sin entered in, they're described as having walked with God. They walked with Him, they talked with Him in the cool of the garden. And we, when we enter into that intimate relationship with God, we're called into that same kind of relationship. We walk with Him, we talk with Him. He becomes our heart's greatest desire. The intimacy that we have with him changes us. To know him, to hear him, to learn from him, to share our hearts with him, to seek after pleasing him uh, becomes our motive in life because of what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. He becomes everything to us. And meeting with him is more than just a Sunday morning. We live to fellowship with him every moment of every day. 
A.W. Tozer once said that the goal of every Christian should be to live in a state of unbroken worship. And that's only possible when we have a walk with God. So our text for today is basically the entire Bible. Uh, and the topic today includes everything about being a Christian. Uh, so I'm going to try to narrow that down just a little bit. Uh, 2 Timothy 3:16 reminds us, For all Scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. And that kind of gives us the, the parameters. Teaching shows us what the road is, how we should walk on the road. Reproof shows us where we've gotten off the road, where we've fallen away. Correction, how do we get back on the road? And finally, training in righteousness, how can we continue to walk in a way that is pleasing to God? So the scripture has a lot to say about walking with God. And let, me, let me throw out a few definitions first for you. Uh, the verb walk in the literal sense of just putting one foot in front of the other obviously is throughout the scripture. But there's also a metaphorical sense of the word walk, which we find a, a lot in the Old Testament and especially in some of the New Testament epistles. And it means to follow a certain course of life. It means to, to have your lifestyle characterized by a certain way. And so many times that word translated walk is in the present tense, which also denotes a continuous action. So it's not just a one-time walk, but it's a continual walk with God that we're supposed to be striving after. Uh, the infinitive to walk can also be translated to live. And so the, the word walk really means to have a consistent habitual lifestyle of following after God and obeying his word. Now when Bible writers tell believers how to walk, they're telling us how to live or conduct our lives in a way that, that affects our thoughts and our words and our deeds. Uh, to, to have a consistent walk with Christ means we're becoming more and more like him. We're beginning to imitate him. We were beginning to, to act like he would act and think like he would think and speak like he would speak. The Christian walk is our Christian life or our Christian lifestyle. And a believer's direction or orientation of life is determined by our walk. The things that we do are determined by the, the relationship we have. Our behavior stems from our beliefs and our beliefs stem from the word of God. Uh, and that, that is what is going to produce the walk that pleases God. The word walk also suggests a continuation or persistence. Uh, walking means you're making progress. Walk doesn't mean you're standing in one place. Now, you can walk in place. It doesn't do much for you, but you can do that. But the word walk has an, in, the connotation that you're going somewhere. You're going from point A to point B. There's a destination you want to get to. And no matter what you have to do, whether it's easy or strenuous, I'm going to get there by simply placing one foot in front of the other. The word talks about a growing maturity. When we talk about our walk with Christ, uh, sometimes we'll ask somebody, so how is your walk with Christ going? And what we're really asking them, how is your relationship with Christ? How is your time in the word? How is your time in prayer? How is your time in, in going through the devotional life with him? And it's a growth in holiness and a maturing in the faith as we follow after Jesus. So it's clear that the, the use of the English word walk refers to conduct or behavior, but it's so much more than that. It, it really involves relationship and intimacy with God from the inside that determines how we behave on the outside. And it should be in stark contrast to that of an unbeliever. We'll talk more about that here in just a minute. Now, there are so many verses that describe our walk. Some of them are commands and some of them are simply descriptions. Uh, and, and we don't have time to go through all of them. That's why I said, really, our text is the entire Bible. 
you could go through from cover to cover and begin to find literally the word walk or the implications of the word walk. How should we live as Christians? How should we live as believers in God? How should we live as those who want to follow after him and please him? So I'm going to give you just a few. I think I, I figured at 15 I'm going to give you here today. Don't try to write them. Simply write down the reference, and you can uh, look them up later again. Uh, I just want to kind of get in your mind some of the characteristics and parameters of our walk with God. We've already told you Micah 6, 8, that's to walk humbly with our God. Or Romans 6, 4, therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Or Romans 8, 4, in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Galatians 5, 16, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Galatians 5, 25, if we live by the spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. And then in the book of Ephesians, remember how Ephesians is laid out. The first three chapters are the doctrinal portion. This is the, the who we are, what God has done for us. It's the indicative, if you will. And then beginning in chapter 4 through 6 are the imperatives. Therefore, here's how we ought to live our life. And so there's a whole string of, the, of walks that Paul has for us in chapters 4 and 5 of Ephesians. Ephesians 4.1, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Ephesians 4.17, walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their minds. Ephesians 5.2, walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. Ephesians 5.8, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light. Walk as children of light. Ephesians 5.15, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. And in Colossians that we're going through now, as Pastor Dennis is taking us through that, Colossians 1.10, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And what he would have talked about today had he had a voice, Colossians 2.6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 12, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. 1 Thessalonians 4.1 Finally then, brothers, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as how you ought to walk and please God, and just as you actually do walk, that you excel, excel still more. 1 John 2.6 The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked, he being Jesus. And 2 John, verse 6, this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. You get an idea. The Bible has a lot to say about our walk, our relationship with God, and what it looks like. And some of the characteristics that emerge from those verses are we walk by faith, or we walk in newness of life, and we walk in the Spirit. And our walk produces good works, and our walk is worthy of the Lord. And we walk in love, and we walk in light, and we walk in grace. And all of those characteristics ought to be true of each one of us who name the name of Christ as our Savior. Why, why do we use that word walk? I mean, what makes the Christian life a walk? And I think if we think first about physically walking, we can begin to see some parallels to the Christian life. Uh, you know, many of you have little ones at home. 
you know, we, do, we had the privilege many, many years ago of, of raising our kids and now our grandkids too. And, and teaching a child to walk is really an adventure. Uh, you know, most of the time, daddy has them by the arms and they're doing that lean forward. They're trying to keep up as daddy's pulling them along. And then the big day comes. You, you set them there and mom's on one side and dad's on the other side and you, you push and they, and what do they do? They take one step and sit. And you pick them up again, okay, one step and they sit. And that takes forever, but you're, oh, they started to walk. If that's all your child ever did, you would say, something's wrong. Walking means that we begin to progress. Walking means we begin to mature. And walking means we begin, unless there is some uh, physical disability or some reason why, walking means we take more and more steps and we can run and we can do more because of what's going on. So first thing, though, that a walk is a process. Walking requires that we put one foot in front of the other, yes, but spiritual growth is a process. It's not an instantaneous event. Every day we do things to walk with God. Every day we do things to continue in our relationship with him. It's a process. Secondly, a pro it's a process that requires balance. Again, as babies begin to walk, they, they struggle with the balance. They need to stay upright. And they, they often fall and they get up again and keep trying. Well, similarly, when we came to Christ, we were spiritual infants. And we needed the help. We needed somebody to hold us up. And obviously, the Lord Jesus holds us up and the Holy Spirit holds us up. But we had friends that came alongside and helped us as well uh, as we began our walk with Christ. It's a process that requires progress. And, and you can walk in place, yes, but walking means we're moving forward, we're making steady progress as we go from one destination to another. And spiritual maturity only happens as we keep growing. We have a destination. We are moving towards becoming like our Lord Jesus. And so every day we take more steps moving in that direction. To stand still in your Christian life is not what God designs. He wants us to keep walking and keep moving and keep moving towards him every day. There ought to be a difference in your life as you walk in Christ. If you call yourself a Christian and you've never changed, there's no difference in your life whatsoever, then you probably really haven't trusted Christ. Because to stay in one place and never progress means you haven't really tapped into the power of the Holy Spirit. Walk is also a uh, walk that requires faith. Uh, Paul will say in 2 Corinthians 5 that we walk by faith, not by sight. A lot of our Christian walk is simply believing what God has said and moving in, the, in direction because of that. And it's also a process that requires a communication from your brain to your legs. Uh, the brain tells your legs to move. Your brain is the one that helps your, your body understand the mechanics of moving. And just as Jesus Christ is our head, we listen for his commands. He's the one that is telling us how to move and how to walk and how to continue going on. Our Christian walk uh, will never be what it's supposed to be if we don't listen to the head. If we think we can do it on our own, if we don't spend time in the word, if we don't spend time trusting in Christ, we will never make progress in our Christian life. So what is the Christian walk? Let me give you just a few characteristics as we go through. Uh, again, the word is qualified in various ways, and, and we've already looked at a whole list of things. But um, first is Christians are not to continue to walk in darkness. Uh, we've seen that in 1 John 1, 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So at our growth group Wednesday night, we had a great discussion, and, and part of it was on why is there this disconnect 
between what we say and what we do? Why, why is there this, this seeming disconnect among believers that they're really not living out like they ought to? And I think it was Jemima that said, you know, that we ought, there's stuff we ought to be different from. And I love that. There's stuff we ought to be different from. So if we're walking with Christ, that means we no longer walk in darkness. We no longer walk like the world tells us to walk. We now walk in light, and we walk in a different way. What John means in that verse is that Christians shouldn't continue to live in ignorance of the truth, an ignorance associated with not spending time uh, in the Scripture, and an ignorance that brings about sin and evil results. But our, our walk instead should be characterized by uh, newness of life and love and wisdom and truth and those things we looked at a little bit earlier. Paul writes that the Christians should not live according with the age to which this world belongs. Remember in Ephesians 2 as he's describing that we're dead in our trespasses and sins and, and we walk according to the prince of the power of the air, we indulge in the desires of our flesh and of the mind. And Paul says, no, we shouldn't walk that way anymore. We're different people. By grace you've been saved through faith and because we've now been saved, we have a new way of living. In eight, Romans 8, 4, again, the Lord commands that as the Holy Spirit leads us, we follow him and we walk according to the Holy Spirit's leading. What a blessing that God didn't just give us a book and say, figure it out. But he gave us the scripture and he put his Holy Spirit inside of us who interprets that book for us. And as we read it, as we, as we study it, as we memorize and meditate upon the word, the Spirit brings that out in our lives and he helps us to understand what it means. You may have had the experience you've read through a particular passage. Maybe you like to read through the Bible every year, and, and you come across a passage you've read numerous times before, and something pops out at you you really hadn't seen before. Well, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is taking the Word of God and applying it to your life at that moment to say, here's something you need to listen to. Here's something you need to apply to your life. So the New Testament writers don't leave maturing Christians on their own. It's a reminder again that the Holy Spirit will help us to keep on walking uh, in, in light and walking in truth. And again, the Apostle Paul uh, lets his readers know he expects the different lifestyle from Christians than from non-Christians. Uh, we don't conduct our lives in an unruly or disorderly fashion, especially if you're Presbyterian. Everything is done decently and in order. Uh, we don't deviate from the prescribed kind of life or the rule that's given by the apostles in the Bible. We, we become people of the book, and we, we live according to the book, and we obey what the Bible tells us to do. One example, in, in Thessalonica, some of the uh, believers, because of a wrong understanding of the second coming of Christ, had stopped working and were basically sponging off of everybody else, waiting for the Lord to come. And Paul gives specific instruction to that. He says, no, if you don't work, you shouldn't be allowed to eat at the expense of other people. So sometimes the scripture is very practical. Uh, you, know, you know, we're supposed to have jobs. We're supposed to provide. We're supposed to take care of our families. And other times there, there are things that may be a little bit harder for us to understand. But believers should continue walking decently and properly. We're told we walk in the daylight, not in darkness. We, we don't carouse and drink and have sexual promiscuity and sensuality and strife and jealousy. Uh, the deeds of the darkness are put away. And instead we put on the new self that Paul describes for us in so many of his different places. Now, in Ephesians 4, 17, it's, it's the one walk that really is expressed in the negative, a very uh, powerful negative. It's a command. Do not walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. And Paul is very adamant after the, the, all of the stuff he's laid out in the book of Ephesians, all the great doctrinal truths that God chose us and redeemed us and adopted us and placed us in the heavenly places in Christ, 
All that is true. And then he says, so don't walk like the Gentiles walk. It's a very powerful command. He says, don't let the parameters or the trajectory of your life follow a path that is set by the world. Don't let the prevailing moral culture lay down the tracks that your life is going to follow. Now think about that. The, the problem in the church today, not CVPC, big C church, uh, is that we don't always practice what we preach. We don't always walk what we talk. And, and we, we have the, the truth of God's word, and yet we continue to be pulled into the world system and continue to do the things the world would have us to do. And we're no longer standing against some of those things we ought to stand against. So Paul is highlighting for us the, the difference or the distinctiveness that an authentic Christian life ought to have. He's setting up a contrast between the world and the church. He's setting up a contrast between a Christian and a non-Christian, between a child of God and a rebel against the rule of God. So when Paul says, don't walk like a Gentile, it's really a time for us to stop and reflect. Am, am I walking like a Gentile? Am I doing the things that the world is doing? Is there any difference in my life from what the world is doing as well. And Paul knows there's an enormous pressure that bears on us as Christians continually every day. I mean, when you wake up, there's going to be this pressure uh, to conform to the world, a pressure to, to be like other people, the pressure to be liked and be accepted by what the world is doing. You're going to hold your tongue. I shouldn't say that because they might make fun of me or, or we're afraid to speak out against the injustices we see around us. It's, we're hesitant to share the good news of the gospel. Instead, it, we sometimes get pulled into and get warped into the priorities of the world, and we're not living or walking according to the Word of God. So if we're Christians at all, the truth is that there is not one single day that passes where we will not endure an onslaught from this world. Uh, in, in Romans 12, Paul says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And how do we get transformed in our minds? It's by the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to spend time in the book. We have to spend time in the Word so that our minds begin to be transformed so that we can live in a way that's pleasing to God. We think about the, maybe this last week, what are some of the things that happened? What are some of the temptations that popped into your mind? What were some of the situations that you faced? What were some of the, the persecution that, that you might have endured uh, from your coworkers or from your friends? That's just typical of a Christian walk. And actually, it's an encouragement. If you're facing persecution, it means you're doing something right. Uh, if you're facing those kind of things, it means you're living as a Christian in the midst of this world, which is what God desires for us to do. David Strain, in preaching on, on Ephesians 4, 17, said, uh, actually, this is a warning. And it's not a warning for the world. It's a warning for the church. Paul is writing to the believers in Ephesus saying, do not live like this. He knows however mature you may be in your Christian life, however far you've gone, you're not beyond falling back into the old ways. Isn't it easy? Really easy to fall back into the old ways. So this is a warning, and it's meant to waken up our hearts, at the, our hearts' horror at the possibility that we may slip back into this dark hole in a life that looks like this. But more than that, it may even be designed to awaken conviction of sin in your heart because the truth is what Paul's been describing already finds its mirror image in your life right now. You've been walking the way the Gentiles walk, haven't you? Some of you. You thought your porn problem was hidden, but it's not hidden. God sees you. You thought when you were flirting online with someone who is not your spouse that it's gone unnoticed, but it's not unnoticed. God sees you. He knows you. 
You thought sleeping with your fiance was okay. Everyone else is doing it. It doesn't matter, but it does matter because God sees you and he abhors your rebellion against him. There's a warning here. Do you hear it? Can you hear it? God is warning you. Do not walk as the Gentiles walk or else maybe slowly at first, maybe you don't even notice it's happening in your heart, but calluses begin to grow around your heart and you will find yourself one day indifferent to the gospel, impervious to every appeal, unyielding, and you will be far away from Jesus, pursuing the indulgence of your lusts, cut off from his people, making shipwreck of your faith. There's a warning here. Are you listening? To walk with Christ means we are different people. But to walk with Christ means we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to help us walk in obedience to God. God's grace is bigger than any sin you are or have committed. That's the glory of the gospel. Jesus Christ came to pay for that sin so that you can have a new life, an abundant life, and live in freedom. So fall on the mercy and grace of God. Call out to him. Now, instead of all those negatives, uh, we're also commanded, again, to walk in that way that is worthy of our calling as Christians. We walk as children of light because the Bible is what? It's a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. We, we have a, a, a guide for us. We walk not as unwise but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. We see that around us. Every day, we, we probably have to think through, what is the best thing for me to do today? Or how do I need to live today? Or, or what is a situation I need to confront today? And we need to be wise in the way we approach our time, not to squander it and not to waste it. We should behave prudently and with great care of, of what the will of the Lord is. God, what, what is your, your will on this area? or What do you want me to do today? And we can find the will of God for us. Uh, again, that idea of walking in a way that is worthy, we are children of God. Uh, parents, you just think, you know, when, when your children do what you've asked them to do, however rare that may be, as, as they do that, you're so proud of them. This is great. Well, in one sense, we, we bring pride to God when we obey him, when we walk as his children. Obviously, God doesn't need us to do that, but, but the fact that we obey him show that we are his children, and that's what it means to walk worthy. Give God the glory. Give God the, the honor that he deserves as our heavenly father by the way that we walk. And then finally, in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says the Christian walk is by faith, not by sight. So to walk by faith means that, that we rely on Christ first for our salvation, and then we trust in the Holy Spirit and the promises found in the Bible to guide our lives. God's word is the dependable and, and faithful source of, of everything we need to live our life. Are we using that as our map, as our roadmap for the walk of life that we have? Paul wrote the Galatians, they should continue to walk by the Spirit. Be empowered by the Spirit. Let the Spirit take control of your life. And as you do that, we glorify God in our walk. We were made to glorify God. We were made for him. And, and God in his infinite wisdom twists together all of, of the things that, that bring him glory and bring us good in, in ways that sometimes we can't understand. Everything is for God's own glory, and everything that happens to us is for our good. And that's why we can rightly say that our chief aim, according to our Westminster standard, the chief aim of man is what? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That is the crux of your Christian walk. I want to glorify God and I want to enjoy Him forever. And when we prefer God's honor above everything else, when we, we try to live in a way that brings Him glory, then we truly do show that, that He is glorified and I am satisfied. 
when I do that. When we walk to please God, he receives the glory for that. There was a, an illustration a musician was performing one time for a very large audience, and it was a magnificent concert. And when he was done, the entire audience stands and, and standing ovation, applauding and, and yelling for him, encore, encore. And he's back behind the, the curtain, looking out through the curtains, and someone says, why don't you go out? They, they want you to play one more. Don't you see everybody's standing? He goes, no, not everybody's standing. Well, what do you mean? Well, see up there in the balcony, third row, there's an old man that's just sitting. Well, that, he doesn't know anything about music. Just go ahead, play an encore. He says, no, that, that man was my teacher. And if he was standing and everybody else was sitting, I'd play an encore. But the fact that he's sitting, I'm not going to do it. And, and brothers and sisters, that's our attitude towards our Christian walk. It doesn't matter how much praise and honor we receive from human beings. It doesn't matter how many people are applauding or how many people are standing and saying, oh, you're doing great. If God does not approve, then we, we have nothing to account for. We have nothing to point at. As a Christian, we live our lives before an audience of one. And it doesn't matter if the entire world is scorning you or if the entire world is applauding you. If God is the one who is applauding, uh, that gives us our worth. Glorifying God means living for his approval rather than for the world's applause. So we walk for him and we glorify him in that. Now, what about when we stumble? Uh, the, the fact is that we can't have a perfect walk all the time. We know that. Uh, it's not unusual for babies to fall as they're learning to walk. And sometimes even as they get older, uh, the falls become a little bit greater and now they're skin, skin knees and elbows. Uh, and so we stumble when we're learning to walk. Um, Physically, we may stumble for a number of reasons, but spiritually, we can also stumble for another, a number, number of reasons. We stumble when we fail to trust and delight in God and to find our strength in Him. As uh, we were learning this morning in our Sunday school class, uh, you know, from, from Psalm, what Psalm was it? 62. You know, that, that what is our, we, we trust in God, we delight in God, we, we're silent before God. Why? Because that brings us our joy. And, and if we, we get our, our if we're not trusting and delighting in God, we won't find our strength. Or when our priorities get out of balance, or when we fail to see life from God's perspective, we can end up making foolish choices. That makes us stumble, and that makes us fall. And there's always things that are going to come up, even as a Christian. There's going to be those temptations and the pull of the sinful desires of the world, the circumstances that will challenge us. Maybe a wrongly placed confidence when we're leaning on people instead of God or when we're looking to our reputation or our accomplishments or the things that we own. The Bible has a lot of examples that we can think of of, of people who were walking with God and who fell, uh, who were walking with God and stumbled badly because of sin. Um, again, by God's grace, they get up and they keep going again. Think of David. David fell in tremendous sin as he commits adultery with Bathsheba and sends her husband Uriah to be killed. He's confronted, he repents, and he walks again with God and is called a man after God's own heart. Or Jacob, uh, his name Deceiver, he lied repeatedly. But later on, God uses him to raise up and teach the truth to his 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, as they begin to, to walk and follow God as a nation. Peter stumbled badly. He denies Christ three times. Uh, and yet he rises up in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of Christ and becomes a courageous leader of the New Testament church. Again, Satan wants us to believe that God is done with us when we fall, that we can't accomplish anything more. But that's not the truth. 
Paul reminds us that God, that Christ's work in us, we are struck down, but we're not destroyed. We can get up and we can walk again in the Lord's power and the power of the Holy Spirit. Don Wilson uh, wrote, God desires to help those who are in the process of falling. And yet if they do fall, they are not utterly cast down. God's hand is always stretched out to lift up sinners and get them walking again. Those who delight in him will be blessed as they refuse to walk in step with the wicked. When we have fallen into sin, and that includes not doing what we know is right, we must not lean on our own understanding, but instead fear the Lord, call sin by name, and turn away from evil as we confess that sin to God. And she gives it these six steps, uh, steps in walking, I guess. So she gives these six steps, all beginning with the letter R, which I thought, okay, that, that'll preach. Um, so the first step is repent, right? Turn away from sin, recognize what sin is, first an offense against God, and we repent. Secondly, renew your mind with the truth of God's word. Third, remember and rest in the forgiveness that Christ has purchased for you. Four, resist the devil as we draw near to God with a purified heart. Five, resolve to never give up hope in God. And six, reach out to those who can help with counsel, support, and accountability. I thought that's good. The reality is we all fall. And the reality is we all need to get back up and get going. And the reality is that if we follow steps such as that, especially reaching out to those who can help us, sometimes we can't get up by ourselves. Just like the, the baby trying to walk, they need help getting up before they can take that step. So when we hit rock bottom, when, when we have been overcome with sin, when we failed, when we've fallen, when we stumbled, God desires to restore our walk. God's more concerned that we become like Jesus than we are. God has given us everything for life and godliness, and so he responds as a tender father, and he picks us up, and he holds our hands again, and he gets us going in the right direction. We humble ourselves, and we repent, and we desire to live for him. Then our walk is restored by the Lord. The great promise we have in Jude 24, that to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before his throne with great joy. He is able to keep you from falling, but in those times where we stumble, and in those times because of our sin or our disobedience, we stumble and fall, and we recognize that God still is working with us. All right, so let me try to summarize all that stuff uh, that we've, we've, we've tried to look at. There's, again, just, just read your Bible. You'll get all this. First, the Christian walk does involve Christ-likeness. Christians are people who follow Christ. So we have uh, not only a direction to go, but we have somebody who's been before us. Jesus Christ has already walked the way, and he's already showed us where to go, and he's left those footsteps for us to follow in. Whoever says he abides in Christ ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Uh, that becomes, uh, the, again, Christ-likeness is our goal. Believers have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, and he will lead us in the way that we ought to go. Secondly, the Christian walk involves righteousness. Uh, again, Romans 8, 4, the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Our walk in Christ has a purpose. Our walk in Christ has a design, and that's that we are righteous people, and we become more and more like Jesus Christ. And the Christian walk involves obedience. Again, the Apostle John said that we walk in obedience to the commands. So it, it, it's not just a meander and anywhere you want to go. 
Uh, it's a course that's laid out for us. It's a path that is directed for us, and we walk according to what God has told us to do. There are many paths that the world's going to open up to you, but we need to stick on the one path, the narrow way, not the broad way that God has laid out for us. God's word, the Bible, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And the Christian walk involves faith. 2 Corinthians 5, we walk by faith, not by sight. And it's a foundational truth for us as believers. If we live in light of eternity, if we focus on the unseen realities that are out there, then we begin there to, to move towards the reward of heaven. We have a whole different purpose and motivation for the way we live our lives. It's not to get stuff. It's not to accumulate things. It's not to impress people. But instead, our focus, we're going to be with the Lord for all eternity in his presence, worshiping him. Uh, all the time. So the command for those uh, who, who are, are walking, it involves faith. We live according to what God has revealed to us and believe that he will bring it about. Christian walk involves a new way of thinking. When we follow Christ, we put away the old things and we put on the new things. Uh, again, as it says in Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The only way we can truly walk after Christ is to begin to, to lay off the old that is sinful and, and the old stuff that it tries to, to trip us up and put on the new, put on the things of God. And finally, the Christian walk involves faithfulness to the Lord. Our character should match up to God's character. In Ephesians 4, again, all those qualities that are listed, we walk in a manner worthy of the calling with humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Read the Bible. It's all there. What are the characteristics of a person who follows God? Uh, that should be true of our lives as well. Our Christian walk involves being faithful to him uh, and being obedient to what he tells us to do. D.L. Moody, um, the great American evangelist back in the 19th century, is estimated to have led a million people to the Lord. Um, what's even more amazing is that he didn't have radio or TV or internet or podcast at the time. It was through the, the faithful preaching of the Word of God. He had very little educational background. He never went to high school. Uh, so how did he get to that point where God used him in such a mighty way? Uh, obviously, God's grace, that's the first answer. But early in his career, somebody challenged him, and he said this, D.L., the world has yet to see what God can do with a man whose heart is completely devoted to him. And Moody thought about it for a moment, and he said, by God's grace, I'll be that man. We could rephrase that a little bit for us today. The world has yet to see what God can do through a man or a woman or a boy or a girl or a church whose walk is completely devoted to him. And may we respond by God's grace, I will be that person. If you need a couple of bumper stickers uh, to help cement the big idea in your mind, let me give you two. If you claim the name, live the same. If you claim the name, live the same. Number two is walk your talk. You know, Enoch walked with God, and Noah walked with God. And it was God's grace for both Enoch and Noah, and it will be God's grace for us as well. When we're gone, what would it take for our family or our friends or our coworkers to look back on our lives and say, that man walked with God? Or that woman walked with God. Brothers and sisters, I, I beg you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So let's pray.
Our Father, we bow before you and we confess that our walk is not always right. We do stumble and fall because we neglect your word. We give in to the temptations and the enticements of this world. So help us to hunger and thirst for Christ, to be driven for more of Jesus, to walk closer to him every day. Help us to spend time in the word that we may learn to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, that we may fight off all the opposition and pressure of this world and live and walk instead for the honor of the name of our Savior and Master and King, the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.